For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, it's a bit of a tough Thursday get-together here on Birds 365. Yes, yes, yes. We know. We're here to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, and surely we will over the next two hours, but we're also Philadelphia sports guys, and I'm positive that myself and John McMullen and probably a lot of you out there watching Birds 365 were in front of your TVs last night and watched one of the great collapses in the history of Philadelphia sports with the 76ers just peeing away a win against the Atlanta Hawks. I still can't believe what my eyes just saw, (laughs) but it did happen. And yeah, we probably won't talk about it, but if we seem a little down in the dumps, it's not because the Eagles are coming off a 4-11-1 season and haven't made all that many upgrades to the team this year. It's probably more because of what the Sixers did last night. But uh, fear not, we will get the full two hours in. Your Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you. Did you go to bed immediately after last night's Sixers game, McMullen? Uh, about a half hour after, but that's because I was tired. Look, Jody, I'm at the point in my life where I, I'm, you know, I that you saw a Bronx Tale, right? That's sure. I always go back to a Bronx Tale. And when Chaz Palminteri tells the kid about me, you know, he likes Mickey Mantle and explains Mickey Mantle's not doing anything for you. Mickey Mantle's not paying you. Uh, get over it. That's how I feel about professional sports. That's how I got over the hump. I got to get up and do birds 365 anyway. So I'm going, I got, I looked at the game and I said, oh, well, it is what it is. Uh, I, I, I look at a standpoint from, and I tweeted this after the game. You know what? Daryl Morey now has proof, and they might be 48 minutes away from, you know, tearing us down and doing it over and building a basketball team, not having two stars, two this, two that. Ben Simmons isn't made for the playoffs. Joel Embiid uh, has bad conditioning. We've been talking about all this for three, four years. It's not changing. It's not changing. So – you got to change it up. And I think this gives him the evidence he needs to do it. And by the way, hopefully they come back. Atlanta, they're a better team than Atlanta. I but I've said, so. this, I've said this on the show. They have to win games like they were winning last night. They have to get up early. They got to be up 15 with six minutes left. Now they got to be able to close it. Because if they get into close games shot for shot, and then Trey Young's on the other side, I mean, they don't have a chance, Jody, because they have shrinking violets. And the Hawks are like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. I'll take the shot. Well, Nobody and, in the Sixers wants that. That that. Well, that no, Embiid does. And he was unstoppable in the first half. And but he's unfortunately gassed. missed his last four shots and his last two foul shots. After making 20 in a row, he clanks exactly. two free throws and why? in the biggest juncture of the game. And, and why? Because he's gassed. Probably. Um, we don't know that, but uh, it's a, a fair guess to make. And while I am a major fan of the Bronx now, um, Chaz Palminteri 
has called my show mm -hmm. as a regular caller on the regular telephone lines when I've done shows in New York. Huge, 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 huge Yankee fan, WFAN fan, uh, and uh, my producer right up on the screening board that we have, uh, Chaz Palminteri on uh, line six, which will be just one of the regular caller lines. He doesn't call in on a special yeah, I hope you jump, Chaz. I, I of course, jump. he goes to the top yeah. of the list. I hope you're not making call. him wait. I hope you're no, not making him wait. I, I would not do that to Mr. Palminteri, uh, but he's uh, a big fan of that station in New York and of the Yankees. He, that he, he, I think if he's called me four or five different times, just as a caller, uh, every single one of them has been about the Yankees because he's a gigantic yeah. Yankee fan. That's why he was great in the Bronx tale. Um, despite knowing exactly what he said, as you just explained it last oh, night. He's not like that. Yeah, I know. Last, I know what you're going to say. He's not like that. I'm not like I'm, that. I'm saying the character. I'm saying the character. After last night's game, uh, it took me a minute or two to just sit there and encapsulate what had happened. And I said, all right, I got to get the dog out because you got to get back to your life after you just sit in front yeah. of TV and do nothing else but uh, try and understand what the hell's going on for Jody, two and a half I, hours. I used to be like that. I used to be like that. I, I say all the time, the Julius Irving Sixers were my favorite team as a kid. That is the organization that I most identified with, uh, the sport I most identified with. People are surprised by that. Um, because I covered the NFL for so long, but uh, it was the Julius Irving Sixers. And over the years, I mean, like I just said, you know, you got to get up and you got to go to work tomorrow. And also, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of Josh Harris, not a fan of the way he ha he handled this team. And I got to cover the Sixers. And, and let me explain this to people. If you like a team uh, as a child and you get to cover them, that's the worst thing possible because you will grow to dislike that organization uh, and you will lose all that starry eyed looks about them. So I get it all the time with Eagle fans. Oh, I want to cover the, no, you don't, no, you don't. You don't want to cover the, trust me. You don't want to cover the Eagles. If you like the Eagles, go cover a different team. If you stay want to get in the bliss sport. stay blissfully ignorant. Exactly. Uh, I, I see here where you're coming from, but yet, Last night, after the game was over, a couple of minutes out, let me get the dog out. I went out into the backyard with uh, Moxie, my girl. And about four or five minutes after we went out, I realized that I didn't even realize if she'd gone to the bathroom yet. That's why you get her out, right? Because <laughs> wow, you got to keep an stunned. eye on her. Did she do you number one? Stunned. Did she do number two? What do you got? And I looked over. I go, "What? The, you've been out here with me for four or five minutes? I was just staring off into the night. Going, how can well, you was that four? Kind of how can you be a max money player and shoot four fourteen from the foul line? How do you do something like that? So yeah, well, you know, uh, it 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 is interesting because there's a lot of people, and I said before the show started to you, Jody, uh, on the air, I have never gotten more visceral hatred for pointing out the flaws of Ben Simmons. Nothing I've said about the NFL. Nothing I've said about other sports. I mean, I get killed for it. So people are saying, oh, you know, Johnny Max, blah, blah, blah. I don't feel vindicated. I feel bad for the kid. Uh, the point is, it's always been obvious. It remains obvious. Uh, now, look, you, you know, I remember that that game, Doug Peterson. I forget which game it was, but he was talking about a missed field goal. And he said, we can all do the math. We can all do the math. You lose that game. 
ended up being by three points. You know, Ben Simmons shoots four for 14 from the line. If he shoots 60%, which he did before this, before this clunker of a, of, of a stretch in playoffs, you win the basketball game. Right. We can all do the math. But there are other issues as well. My point is only it's not changing. This is who the guy is. He's not going to be aggressive. He's afraid to shoot the basketball because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. You got to deal with the hack that Ben. Then Doc Rivers is for sitting over there and saying, oh, if I bench the guy, it's going to be a big thing. He got to bench the guy. If it's a close game down the stretch, he can't be on the floor, Jody. He can't be on the floor. And Doc had him out at certain stretches last night. And he's, I actually feel worse for Doc Rivers than I do Ben Simmons because I guarantee we already got a guy on the stream, Rob Gamble just said, typical Doc Rivers team. Uh, okay. What, 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 what are you going to do? If would, Red who would you rather have coaching this team than Doc Rivers? Red what other NBA coach life. out there would you rather have coaching yeah, the team right done, now than he's Doc done Rivers? done a phenomenal job. Red Arback is the Vince Lombardi of the NBA. He could come back to life. If your star players play like that in the fourth quarter, you don't have a flipping chance. You know, the Hawks are down two points, Jody. Trey Young makes get draws the foul from the three-point line. You freaking knew he was making those three free throws. Right. It wasn't even a question. I mean, that's the type of guy he is. That's the type of player he is. You saw him in Madison Square Garden, you know, egging the Knicks fans on. He loves it. He loves that stage. The other guy who 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 there's this group of enabling Sixer fans who want to enable and they talk about Doc Rivers coddling this kid. They coddle this kid. Point out the flaws. Point out that it's a disgrace that an NBA player who handles the ball and is supposed to be an all-star is shooting 30, low 30% from the free throw line. It's absurd, Jody. Does, it is absurd. Does not make any sense. Uh, he has come up small here for the 76ers this year. All right, so we got that out of our system. We whined, we moaned, we bitched. Uh, the Sixers lost. Not completely given up on him, but man, is my confidence shattered uh, to this thin a line uh, as they go down to Atlanta for the next game. Uh, hey, here's the good news. The Eagles can't lose a game for months. They yeah. will not lose. I guarantee you that. Not happening. Because we've got a long way to go. Before we get to opening day, and yes, we've got a bunch of Eagles stuff to talk about today. And we got two good guests coming your way. One of which I'm looking forward to talk to. Uh, uh, since just uh, one, just well, one. I'm actually looking forward. I'm telling to both that. I'm uh, telling both that. How do you know I wasn't talking about both? I know. Uh, I know who you were talking. About. No, you know who I'm talking about because uh, over the last couple of years, I've uh, struck up a relationship with the former general manager of the Washington football team when he was in charge. They were the Redskins, uh, Vinny Serrato, who after his post NFL executive days has actually become a sports talk show host out of Baltimore. And uh, I've gotten to know Vinny, and he's done a bunch of guest spots on my show. And I realized we hadn't asked him on Birds 365 yet, so I did yesterday. And he said, yeah, he's on the air at 10 o'clock down in Baltimore. Um, so I figured the uh, early hour spot on our show would work. And he said, yeah, I'd be happy to hop on with you guys. Uh, so down in B Baltimore, Charm City, uh, they talk Ravens day in and day out on his uh, radio show, much like they yeah, do here in Philadelphia with the Eagles. Uh, I was formerly with the Redskins as well. 
And one of the things I want to get into with Vinny is uh, he gets to see Lamar Jackson up close and personal every single week. Could Jalen Hurts be Lamar Jackson light here in Philadelphia? Because we continue to say we don't know about Jalen's accuracy. Uh, he might not have the biggest arm in the National Football League. I think he's got plenty enough arm strength. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't have the biggest arm either, and he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So I personally believe he's got that kind of arm strength. I think he's got better arm strength than Lamar Jackson. He might not be the runner that Lamar is, but he's a pretty damn good runner. Could we get that same kind of result here? I want to run that by uh, Vinny when we get him on. But you also mentioned Bo Wolf from The Athletic is uh, going to join us. Does a great job covering the Eagles on a day-in, day-out basis. And... Just in advance, for those of you on the stream, and we love our streamers. Oh, we're we're going to make them mad twice today, Jody. Twice. (sighs) We will talk about the vaccine today. And we've had a couple of guests on over the last few weeks. And if it's a national guy, we specifically ask them about the vaccine. And some of our loyal uh, viewers do seem to get upset when we bring up the vaccine that they don't think that that's a football topic and if someone's got to declare whether they are or aren't going to take the vaccine it puts them in an uncomfortable position and it puts the people that are viewing it in an uncomfortable position because they may or may not have a uh, strong stance on it well uh, sorry we're going to talk about it today because it is a big topic it is news in the national football league (laughs) because the nfl came out with its memo on what these protocols and standards and rules are going to be for players who haven't gotten vaccinated. John, the vaccination is not mandatory in the National Football League. The NFL, I think, wisely decided not to go down that road. But with the penalties that you would incur if you do not get the vaccine and the liberties that you have if you do get the vaccine, it's basically the same thing as making it mandatory. Yeah. Because uh, no matter how strong a feeling you have about it, and I would understand if somebody did, I don't share it, but it is certainly your right to have that kind of a stance. You're going to make your life a hell of a lot tougher if you decide not to get vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, the NFL could not mandate you have to get the vaccine they couldn't because they have a collective bargaining agreement they have to work it out with the players union the players union would have never agreed to it and by the way i think it's important that they got the nflpa on board uh for this uh uh sort of process they're they're going to implement and basically what it is is if you're unvaccinated you're under the 2020 rules and if you're vaccinated it's back to normal essentially so you know daily testing wearing a mask social distancing on the road you can't leave the hotel you can't engage with other people you're basically in quarantine you know when a lot of guys have said uh i don't want to go kirk cousin said it yesterday i don't, I don't want to say it's a personal decision well guess what kirk everybody's going to know because right. You're wearing a mask around the facility. You can't be around people. You're you're other than on the field, which is stupid, but that's another conversation. Um, people are going to know. Sam Darnold's another high-profile player. You know, Vinny's going to be on the show, Vinny Serrato. Maybe Montez Sweat is the most high-profile because he flat-out said he doesn't want to get it. He doesn't uh, – uh, he never had COVID. He's not going to get it until he does have COVID. We'll see if he changes his mind. But he took a lot of hits for that. 
talking about education and then issuing the education on the matter. Um, this is the best they could have done from the league standpoint. But I feel for certain guys, and I'm fully vaccinated, we say on the show, so are you, Jody. Look, I got to do it for my job. I feel for the people that don't want to do it for whatever reason. I don't care if you're a political wingnut, uh, religious, whatever, um, especially younger people. And the vast majority of the people in the NFL are very young and yeah. very healthy. And it isn't going to affect them. And I talked to guys who had it last year. They wouldn't have even known they had it unless they had daily testing and they were told they had it. So that's sort of the mindset of where they're coming from. Um, now, then people will go into the, the, the moral judging part of this. You know, Matthew Stafford got shamed in Detroit last year when his wife was out and his wife and what it's one of the reasons he wanted out of Detroit, to be honest, because of how poorly they treated him. Um, I compare it to the invasion of the body snatchers. You ever see that movie, Jody? Donald Sutherland. Mullen movie references. Yeah, two McMullen. 18 minutes of the show. At the end of the, at the end of that movie, Donald Sutherland turns into, you know, one of the pod people, whatever the hell it was. And he points at a normal person and screams. And that's what I looked at with this. You know, it's sort of like a scarlet letter, so to speak. And you're non-vaccinated. I feel bad for those people. I really do if they don't want to, especially if they're young and healthy. Bottom line is, though, Jody, if you got to go to work, you got to go to work. And there's other people you got to deal with. Sometimes you got to do things that you don't want to do. Just get it done. I, get I it agree. done. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh I, with my work these days, I don't need to get, I wouldn't have needed to get vaccinated. I'm of an age that I, it wasn't a non-decision for me. Of course, I was going to have it done. But just purely, would I have needed to get it done for? No, I didn't. But I still got it done because I just think it allows you to get on with your life and let us get back to some level of normalcy. And we'll see how the NFL handles it this year. And the, the most interesting thing to me, we'll bring this up with Vinny Serato, who's scheduled to join us coming in, up in just a couple of minutes. When you report to camp, if you are unvaccinated, you must stay away from your teammates for five days. You have to go into quarantine to start camp. The same protocols that they used yeah. last year. So you get there, you're all jacked up, you've been waiting weeks, you had your summer vacation, you're ready to play football, you show up for five days, well, report to your room and stay there because you need to be quarantined before you can interact with other guys on the team. Are you kidding me? Anybody who hasn't been vaccinated to that point, once they have to go through that, they're going to go, yeah. well, can, can I get vaccinated now? Can we can we work around you this? Can we get so. past this? And they got to get on it because of the timing. Now, I can tell you because I was, I was tier two media last year for training camp, Jody. So there were only two of us. It was me and Zach Berman. So we had to get tested every single day. That means off day, you got to go into the complex and get tested. Uh, that means if, if practice isn't until whatever, 2.30 in the afternoon, you got to be there at 8 o'clock to get tested. It is a pain and the you-know-what. And the NFL has done a good job creating these incentives uh, to overcome the fact they can't mandate it. So hopefully – uh, everybody gets it done. And I will say this, Jody, from a statistics standpoint, the league did say, did release 16 of the 32 teams, so exactly half, 
have over 50 guys vaccinated. Uh, 16 don't have over 50. They haven't given us exact numbers. Now, that sounds good. Because no, eight, it's 85%. It's 90 uh, players in the offseason. So it's not 53. So it's only 50, 52, 53, 54 of 90. If it were 50 of 53, it'd be really Yeah, good. it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> They got the team still have their work cut out for them. And by the way, just one personal edification question. Hopefully the uh, people in the stream also, there's one or two that are in the same boat that I am. I was never tested once for COVID. Oh, I got I tested didn't, 150 stinking times for COVID. I didn't need to because, yes, I can do all my broadcast work from home. I go out to the store with a mask on. And so I wasn't around anybody who had it or uh, did I worry about getting it or passing it to someone else. So I did not get tested once in the last year and a half, two years, however long it's been since it became our new norm. Um, how invasive is that? No, it's not bad at all. Uh, it's just a nas- nasal swab. I, you know, people are saying yeah, they're just gen- generally. I don't like sticking things up my nose. That's Neither just, do I. Maybe it's it, just me. You get used to it really quick. Okay. Um, it goes way up there, but it's not like they're poking you in the brain or anything. It's not uncomfortable. And it was a drive-through situation. You literally just drove through, rolled down your window. They stuck a Q-tip up your nose, and you're done. Um, it, but it's annoying. It's annoying as hell to have to do that every day. And, um, you know, the players who are unvaccinated have to do that every single day. Five week, they can't leave town. They can't go on vacation every single day. I remember, in fact, you know, when we have Zach Berman on next, at some point we're going to have his colleague Bo Wolf on. Um, I remember Bo went down the shore on an off day because we weren't told that we had to go in on off days and get tested. You know, it was new to everybody. And uh, he had to drive all the way back up just to get tested and drive all the way back down the shore, unfortunately. Well, that's what the NFL players who are, at least as of now, choosing to not get vaccinated are going to have to deal with. All right. We'll find out if our first guest, Vinny Serrato, former general manager of the Washington football team, has been vaccinated. My guess is Vinny has, but we'll uh, have to put that to him. Got a lot of things football-related and Personal related. decision. I'm not going to ask Vinny that. Okay, I will. I don't care. They can get all ticked <laughs> off at this stream. And Vinny's my bu- my guy, so he's my buddy. I If I tick him off, that'll be okay. He'll forgive me down the road. Uh, forgive us for talking as much sixes as we did in the first segment, Eagle fans. That much more football conversation coming up next right here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. 
Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365 here up on the Jacob Lee Sports uh YouTube channel. We are McMullen and McDonald, the Mac and Mac guys, and we've got a uh, first line guest ready to join us today. Oh, I see that smiling face. He's figuring out where the middle of the camera is. Uh, <laughs> former general manager of the Washington football team. He used to call them Redskins. I used to call them Redskins. Everybody used to call them the Redskins. They were the Redskins when he was running the show. He's running the show now down on 1057, the fan in Baltimore. The midday uh, host on uh, that radio station, Vinny Serrato, jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. How are you, Vinny? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, Vinny. Thrilled to have you. Love when we get people, obviously, in positions of power executives. We've had Randy Mueller recently. Ooh, uh, we had Mike Tannenbaum. Tannenbaum. It's, it's good to have uh, Vinny Serrato on the program. Vinny, I got to start here. And you probably don't. What's it like working for Daniel Snyder? We hear all the stories. What What is it like working for Daniel Snyder? Um, there's, I mean, there's good and there's bad. Um, it's interesting working for Dan just because, you know, after being with Eddie DeBartolo for nine years, who was never in the office, you know, he lived in Youngstown <clears throat> at the time. He would just come out, you know, for games basically in the draft. Um, where Dan's in the office every day and you're talking to him a, a lot of times a day. Uh, uh, <laughs> here, here's, here's probably like when I first got hired, I'm at the uh, training camp with Norv Turner, you know, 
we were up in Pennsylvania and he would call me at two in the morning. Like, you know, I'd be at camp all day, meetings at night. And then he'd call me, what's going on? You know, and he just want to talk till like four or five o'clock in the morning. And then, <laughs> you know, he just always wanted to talk all, you know, and, and he would call me at my house and he'd say, where are you? I said, Dan, where'd you just call? You call my <laughs> Didn't call yourself, called your landline at your house. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. And it's when the boss, you see, it's a boss. You yeah. got to kind of pick it up. You can't go. Yeah. I let that go to the voicemail. No, you got well, if, if well, here's the thing is, Jody, if you didn't answer, he would keep calling and calling and calling and calling, <laughs> you know, until, until you picked up. Like he, he called me like one o'clock in the morning. My wife be sleeping. She says, what's he want now? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. But he's around here with a son. Birds 365. All right. Hey, Ben. Um, I thought about this the other day, and that's one of the reasons why I said great guy to get on and be able to talk about this would be Vinny Serrato. Uh, you know the Eagles are turning their quarterback duties over to Jalen Hurts. They refuse to announce it officially because it's all about competition in new coach Nick Sirianni's camp. We all believe that Jalen Hurts is going to be their starting quarterback. We got a chance to see him start four games for the Eagles last year. He did remind me a little bit of the quarterback that you have down there in Baltimore that you talk about on a day-in, day-out basis, Lamar Jackson. Uh, absolutely a threat to run the football at any time. Has some uh, throwing capabilities. Has mm -hmm. some accuracy issues. Those two quarterbacks seem similar to me. I don't think anybody runs the ball like Lamar, and I don't think uh, Jalen Hurts will either, but uh, he can turn it upfield and make plays with his legs. You know Lamar Jackson as well as anybody, day in and day out. Your job used to be evaluate uh, quarterbacks in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. Now you do it on the air. Do you see a similar between similarity between those two guys the same way I do? Um, a little bit, Jody. And and I was just at uh, minicamp the last two days at the Ravens, so I just saw Lamar the last couple of days, and I've been out at OTAs, you know, for the last month also. So I've seen Lamar. Um, the biggest thing, Jody, is Lamar. Uh, Lamar's first year, kind of like uh, Jalen's, came in in the middle of the season and <clears throat> completed like 58%. And what we said after that season was, if he can just hit the layups, passes, you know, just hit the ones, you know, the dump-offs and the easy passes and get your completion percentage up to 60%, you know, that'll be good because the way that he runs the ball you know, and like you said, Jody, nobody runs it like Lamar because, you know, I mean, he run, <clears throat> probably runs 4-3 in a 40 and you can't catch him and, and he can make you miss. Um, so the thing that Lamar did was fundamentally he got his feet right. And I think the biggest thing, Jody, was he only got sacked 23 times and his protection was good, which allowed him to step into his throws and use proper technique. And he completed like 68%. He was the MVP of the league. So I think the key thing with Jalen Hurts is it's got to be about the old line. You can't in this past year, um, Lamar got sacked 40 sometimes and he couldn't step and throw, you know, and his completion percentage went down and everybody said he took a step back and it's because the offensive line, you know, everybody wants to say receiver, receiver, you know, receiver is part of it, but the old line is the biggest part of it because you can't step. You know, and here's the thing with these guys, Jody, is you got to let him do what he does well. Don't ask him just to drop back 
and be Carson Wentz from the pocket. That's not, that's not who they are. Good coaches let players do what they do well. So let him do what he does well. Find out what he does well. Find out where he's comfortable. Find out, you know, the things that he's comfortable throwing and let him do that. And he'll be more successful. And that's what they did with Lamar. And that's why Lamar became the MVP in the league. Yeah, Benny, that Jalen was at 52%. So obviously that's not good enough. Very small sample size. But when you're talking about completion percentage where probably 65 is is average, right. uh, you do need to get that way up. It was interesting, though. The old Eagles coaching staff, so Doug Peterson, tried to bring in James Urban from Baltimore uh, to be his offensive coordinator. They ultimately brought back Marty Morningwig as a consultant. They wanted to, to sort of bring that Baltimore running game into Philadelphia the way they use Lamar from the quarterback position. Uh, what do they do that's so unique, or is it more about the player? Uh, I think it's kind of a combination. You just look at Greg Roman's history. Greg yeah. Roman, for the eight years that he's been coordinator, because we talk about this all the time, when he went to San Fran, you know, all of a sudden, you know, year one, they're outstanding in the run game. Year two, they're good in the run game. And the passing game, they're always last, you know. And, and it continues to go down every year. Then he goes to Buffalo, first year really good. Then it goes down, he gets fired. Baltimore, first year really good. Last year, you know, the passing game was not good. The offense dropped some. And then now year three. That's been, you know, Greg Roman's history has not been good. You know, he knows how to run the football, but throwing the football, it doesn't, doesn't coexist together. So they have an outstanding run game, you know. And, it, and Greg Roman – installed the whole run game and they want they're a physical run team but their passing game is very very basic and i think that's the biggest problem is people catch up to his run game and then they don't then they can't adapt you know and that's what happened you know year one he was great year two they took a step back and year three we're waiting to see because they're saying that they're going to make advancements in the passing game they went out and got sammy watkins and rashad bateman you know, to help in that, they got Kevin Zeitler, you know, in the offensive line. They got Villanueview in the offensive line. So if Lamar has time, kind of like with Hurts, if they give him time to throw the ball, he'll be able to complete balls. But you can't be running for your life all the time. and You can't be just throwing all arm and trying to step and throw and do all those things. It's just too difficult for them. And that's one of the reasons why I think some people have optimism about Hurts this year because they believe that the Eagles offensive line – is going to be not only superior from last year where they had as many injuries as they did, their right-hand side of the line pretty much wiped out for the entire season, but superior across the National Football League, that when they're healthy, their offensive line is one of the best. The only thing we don't know here, Vinny, is how much will they lean on the run to balance it and make it easier for Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, because uh, you might not know it as well as we know it here in Philadelphia. Their owner likes to throw the ball. We asked you about Daniel Snyder, uh, Jeff Laurie, this offseason. It's come into question because with the firing of Doug Peterson, uh -huh. we found out that he's kind of a hands-on owner, uh, which uh, if you're going to have the owner dictating how much you're going to throw the football, that can be a little bit dangerous for you. Um, the owner in Baltimore, he lets their fo football guys do what their football guys do? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, Bish Steve uh, Bishotti, he was there. 
the last two days at minicamp. That's the first time I've seen him the whole time. But I think, you know, I mean, he's in contact with them. But when you that, – that's the biggest thing is – and that's the difference between Eddie DeBartolo and, and Dan was Eddie let, hired you to do a job and everybody was allowed to do their job. Now, in Washington, it wasn't quite that way. I'll tell you one draft story. We're in a draft, and we're picking in the second round. We had three picks in the second. So we're getting ready for the third pick in the second round. Our, our, and they were early picks. And Dan says, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to take Jamal Charles. He said, why? I says, he says, you got Clinton Forrest. I said, Dan, Jamal Charles, I said, if a DB steps wrong, it's a touchdown. I said, we don't have that kind of speed. He said, well, think about it. So about five, ten minutes later, he says, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to take Jamal Charles. So then we get on the clock. He says, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to take Jamal Charles. He said, no, you're not. You're taking Malcolm Kelly, wide receiver. Don't. <laughs> yeah, well, by the way, Benny, Jeffrey Lurie's in the Eagles complex every day. I'm sure Howie Roseman's getting some phone calls at 2 in the morning. Oh, so yeah. he's more of that type as well. But I, I want to go back to Lamar real quick because mm -hmm. I want to ask you this question. I don't know. You're on the radio, so I don't know how much NBA you're paying attention to. But the city of Philadelphia is in mourning uh, after one of the great collapses. They have these players who seem to be great regular season players, uh, but they're not built for the playoffs. I look at Lamar Jackson, and he finally got over the hump uh, yeah. in the game against Tennessee. But they weren't great offensively. And then they lose, and I think it was the least amount of points ever scored under under uh, uh, Harbaugh. Uh, is he just not built for the playoffs, or or has it just been the nature of what's going on there? Well, you know what? Let, let's go back to the first year when they lost to Tennessee at home. You know, they had over 500 yards of offense, and they took the ball to first series right down the field. And Lamar threw a pick, you know, on the plus 20. And then Tennessee took the ball down and scored. You know what? 80 yards. Then the Ravens drive the ball down, and on fourth down, they don't make it. And then Tennessee takes it 80 yards and scores. You know, so to me it was – and Lamar ran up and down the field that day. I, I think the biggest thing is when the playoffs come, it seems like Lamar tries to do too much, you know, because before in that first year, they never missed a fourth down. And in this one, he was making crazy decisions. And, you know, it just – he wasn't himself. He wasn't the happy-go-lucky guy having fun out there playing. He looked tight. He looked tense. And, you know, figured that after he won that first one. But Buffalo is a good defensive team. And what teams do is they say, okay, Lamar, we're going to take the run away. We're going to make you run wide. And we're going to make you throw the ball deep and outside the numbers. If you can beat us that way, have at it. And those are the things that he has to improve upon, and the Ravens know that. I mean, at minicamp, they work on those things all the time. You know, and, and people know how to kind of defend him right now. And that's what he's got to get better at. And they've been throwing a bunch of deep balls, and they got to get better at that. Vinny, uh, you say you've been at the OTAs and the minicamps this week and like so. You're around other members of the media. You don't have the access to the players that you would if it were a uh, regular, normal year. Hopefully that's going to be the case next year where you can actually maybe grab a uh, interview or a minute of conversation with the players. But I'm sure in the media circles that you're in, people are talking about 
the COVID restrictions that are going to be in place this year, they've certainly changed from what last year was because we have a vaccine. And that's what all of this year's uh, rules and regulations are tied to, who has been vaccinated, who hasn't been vaccinated. Uh, right now, players aren't stating whether they are or aren't vaccinated. We're going to find out soon enough by be just being able to see who's got a mask on, who doesn't have a mask on. Yep. How big a deal is this going to be for teams within the next couple of weeks once camps open and then when the season starts as well? Will it be a continued conversation throughout the league? Well, I think if, if guys don't, because the league is making it extremely easy for teams if you're vaccinated. I mean, just look at the coaches. You know, like all the Ravens coaches are vaccinated because it's easy to tell. They didn't have a mask on and Harv's, you know, made an announcement. All the coaches are vaccinated. Because if you're a coach and you're not vaccinated, you can't even go on the field or in, come the fall or be in meeting rooms. So, I mean, it's your profession, you know, to get vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. My wife vaccinated. You know, Charlie has to get vaccinated because he's got to travel all over. My other son's vaccinated. And my 12-year-old daughter, we got her her first shot. So, you know, and my <laughs> wife's a, a, a doctor, a surgeon. So, you know, our whole household is going to be vaccinated. And it's going to be, Jody, where you have to be vaccinated, you know, to be any sport, to travel, to do anything. You're going to have to be vaccinated. And I don't, you know, I mean, it's everybody's choice if they want to get vaccinated or not. But professional teams are making it a lot easier for guys that are vaccinated than not. They're kind of like pushing you in that direction. And to be totally honest, I don't know if you guys are vaccinated. The first yeah. time I got the shot, you know, my arm was sore for a couple of days. The second one, I had nothing. Jody, you'd like yeah. this. I go, my wife calls me because, you know, she was at her hospital and she says, um, can you be here in 40 minutes? It was a Friday at 4.40, at 4.20. She said, can you be here? Because otherwise they got to throw this vaccine away. I said, I'll be there. I'm driving 90 to get downtown. <laughs> so, so it's five o'clock. So I go in there and it's five o'clock. I said, I said, before you give me that shot, you know, it's five o'clock on Friday. Can I drink wine tonight if you give me a shot? <laughs> <laughs> said, Absolutely. I said, okay, yeah. give me the shot. You know, and then the second one I got, I was on the treadmill an hour later. I was, you know, it was fine, you know? Yeah. Same with me, Benny. I mean, uh, 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 and I'm not a shot guy. I don't like getting shots. It was well, not. I don't look at the needle when they do it. Yeah. Either. Yeah. But I, I, I do want to. So I want to take you back. You're vice president of football ops for the Washington football team. Montez Sweat is a great player. Uh, he says he's not getting it. He doesn't want to get it. He doesn't believe in it. How do you handle that situation? Well, the, the, the thing that you just got to explain to him is, and I think uh, Ron's had some experts come in and talk to the team and stuff. But, you know, I think the easiest thing is, is, all right, if you're not vaccinated, here's the rules that you have to go by. And if you're vaccinated, Here's the rules that you got to go by, you know, and it might be peer pressure from his teammates, you know, because, you know, if he's not being able to go into meetings and do those kind of things, his teammates may say, hey, man, come on, you know, we're all in this together. You know, we'll go with you to get the shot. We'll do, you know, those kind of things. Shots are on us at the bar after you get your <laughs> shot in your arm could be something along those lines. All right, Ben, I want to ask you on some on-field football questions. First about uh, the division that you used to be part of, the NFCs, and then we'll get uh, to your squad, Baltimore, over there in the AFC. We, I used to call it the NFC least all last year. Uh, and, yes, the Washington football team kind of backed into a divisional championship mm -hmm. below 500. 
but uh, they won. And coming into this year, I think all of them had okay off seasons. Probably the Eagles, the least of the group, just because of the whole Carson Wentz thing, that they didn't have cap flexibility. Uh, how, how improved, if you think at all, is the NFC East going to be this season? Well, I, I think Dallas would be better because the quarterback's healthy. You know, and the Eagles, the Eagles would be better if Hurst is better, bottom line. I mean, because it's all about the quarterback. You know, and the same thing with the Washington football team. <clears throat> if they get good quarterback <clears throat> play, they have a good defense. If they don't get good quarterback play, <clears throat> they got to win 10-9 games, you know, which doesn't happen much in the NFL these days. So I, I think it's, you know, and the same with the Giants. You know, what is Jones? To me, this division is all about, you know, the quarterbacks. That's, that's what it's going to be about. And that's what most divisions are about. You know, I mean, you look at <clears throat> AFC North, you know, what does Big Ben have left? You know, what can Burroughs add to them? You know, can Baker Mayfield continue to do what he did last year? And can Lamar get better from where he was last year? Uh, the Eagles also have a new head coach, obviously, Benny. And Dick Sirianni's got some interesting reactions because of his uh, exuberance, to be honest. He's a really energetic guy. Um, he, 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 he's not the best uh, in a press conference yet. He's still feeling his way. When, when you talked about head coaches, when you went through that process over your career in the NFL – what, what's the first couple things you look for in a head coach? And and generally, I always hear that cliche, if you're if you're hiring a scheme, you're doing it wrong. So what do you look for in a head coach? <clears throat> to me, the, the biggest thing is, does he have presence? You know, when he's in front of people and stuff, does he have presence? You know, when he walks into a room, <clears throat> you know, like when Joe Gibbs walked into a room, you know, people know, you know, he, he just – commanded respect does the guy command the room and then the other thing is see i think john harbaugh does a fabulous job with the media because what the coach has to realize is when he's talking to the media he's really talking to his team because they all listen you know on those monday press and i tried to get that through to jim zorn and he never got it you know and that's why i had to do a radio show when i was at the redskins you know, so um, I could get the word out and not Zorn get the word out. Because what Jim would do was he would call out players. And on those Monday press conferences, players' girlfriends, players' wives, players are listening. So you're talking to them. That's the big thing is, is you're delivering your message to your team, their wives, their girlfriends. You know, and if you call somebody out, you know, then they're calling their friends and the wives and they're pissed off and you just disrupt your locker room. And I think that's the thing that John Harbaugh does a phenomenal job at. You know, he understands that. And then Sirianni's got to learn that. <clears throat> you got to learn how to use the media and who your message is being delivered to. That's the, that's the biggest thing. I mean, the best coach, I mean, look, the best coaches are the ones, you know, that know how to manipulate, talk to the media, get their message out to their players. Vinny, uh, we talk a lot on this show about Harry Roseman, the general manager of the Eagles, as you would well imagine, um, and how he has his uh, loyal backers and his detractors, and that's the way it is with most sports figures, but here in town, how he seems to be on the griddle more than anybody else. 
this offseason, Carson Wentz kind of forced their hand that they had to change their quarterback stance and they had to trade him and take a massive dead cap hit. So how his hands were somewhat tied behind his back. Uh, you just told us about how you would uh, hope that a coach would handle himself when he does speak to the media mm -hmm. from a general manager standpoint. Can Howie Roseman get his message across that says, listen, this year we might not be as good. The owner came out and said when they fired Doug Peterson, this is a transition year. It's going to kind of be on Howie to keep the uh, natives from becoming unrestless. Uh, that, yeah, we're kind of up against it this year with the move we had to make with our quarterback. Is that a winning battle? Should a GM even try that? How he only makes himself available from time to time. But what he does, should he try and uh, explain why the Eagles have done what they've done or not done this offseason? <clears throat> uh, see, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. You know, I think being transparent is a good thing. You know, what your plan <clears throat> was. And, and you can get your message out. I mean... Jody, look at the Orioles. Their guys come on like after every 10-game losing streak. They come on and say, hey, listen, we understand, you know, but it's a rebuild. You know, just be patient. They just had a press conference yesterday. Same thing, you know. Um, so I, I think the thing with, you know, if you're up front right away, you know, because if you come out and say we're going to the Super Bowl and all that, then, you know, I know how it is in Philly. You raise those expectations. You know, uh -huh. where are the expectations? You know, I, I think that's that's a big I mean, you always you always want to win. And if you've got a quarterback, you got a chance to win. And you never know. I mean, who would have thought Pittsburgh was gonna be eleven and oh last year, you know, when they started out. So you always got a chance at the beginning. But I think, you know, when you look at when, you know, <clears throat> the preseason magazines and Vegas and all those people when they put the odds out on number of wins. People know what kind of talent you got on the team. And, you know, the thing that I used to do was, you know, you, you kind of have in my office, I would put like a depth chart of, of the division and where we were at, you know, like at each position. And if we, if we were third and fourth in a lot, we're not going to be very good in the division. We got to be ones and two. So in the in-house, you know, you know, where you're going to be and how he's been around long enough where if he needs to get the word out, you know, not by him, but, to, you know, go talk to whoever's on the radio or what, Hey, you know, can you do me a favor? And, you know, this is kind of, you know, you bring a couple guys in that you trust and then they deliver the message. So they've always got your back. All right, Benny, last one from me. Can't let you leave without asking you about the complicated fella in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, you talk about messaging. Uh, to throw that phrase out there, complicated fella, I, you know, it was probably overblown. But nonetheless, the Packers and the relationship is, is fractured. Uh, where do you think it's going? I mean, Rodgers' reputation is there. He's a stubborn guy. Uh, but he doesn't have a lot of leverage. How, how do you think that that plays out? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is they screwed up initially. You know, when when you've got a guy like him, you know, like when we had Steve Young and Sam Fran, you know, they would Carmen policy. He would always ask Steve, hey, Steve, we're going to do this. What do you think? You know, you always kind of involve the guy. And especially if you're going to draft, a quarterback because I mean can you imagine Aaron Rodgers you know he's the 
facing a franchise and all that. And he's sitting around with his buddies waiting to watch the draft, having a couple of drinks and, you know, what receiver are we going to take? And all of a sudden they take a quarterback and he doesn't know it. You know, I mean, most guys are going to get pissed, you know, and Favre was pissed when they took Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, Carson was pissed when the Eagles took Jalen Hurts. In the he second round. Yeah, he yeah, was so, pissed. Well, yeah. So I, I just think that you got to have <laughs> communication with the guys, you know, and kind of let them, here's the plan. Aaron, you're our guy until you can't be the guy, you know. But we've got to take a guy, you know, if you were to get hurt, you know, we've got to develop a young guy. It's not like, I think if they would have just communicated with him, things would have been fine. And then when you get a real smart, intelligent guy, you know, who's kind of stubborn, you know, he's out to prove a point. Now, because it's funny, Jody, like, when did he make the first announcement, you know, that he wasn't happy? Day of the draft. One year anniversary, you know. And then when was his next one when he put all those pictures out? First day of, uh, uh, what, OTAs, you know. Yeah. So, he, he's, he knows when to send his messages, you know. He, he's. He's got it all planned out, what he wants to do. Man, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays itself out before training camp actually comes up. All right, last one for me, Benny. I got to ask um, because uh, – About the Sixers? No, not about the Sixers. (laughs) About that goal-scoring son of yours. You might not know this, John, but Vinny's son is a hockey prodigy. Spent a lot of time right here in South Jersey playing over at the Flyers facility in Voorhees. How did season go? What's he got planned for the summer? Uh, what's next on the young goal-scoring Serato's schedule? Hey, Jody, they had a clip on him on NHL Network, which was pretty cool. He played Really? This, yeah, he played this past year at Honeybake out of Detroit. And they won the national championship, the 15U. And then um, the week after they won nationals, he had tryouts for the national development team, and he made the development team. So wow. that's a two-year commitment. So he'll be um, playing for the U.S. development team in Michigan for the next two years. So his junior and senior years of high school. And then we've been taking a lot of recruiting hockey trips. We went to Penn State last week, and next week we're going to Michigan, then we're going to Minnesota. So we've got a uh, busy summer. And he reports August 25th for um, Plymouth, you know, to go to the development camp. But, Jody, the best thing is, you know, Every time that he would play and he would break a stick, you know, I'd say, oh, man, that goes $300. (laughs) (laughs) But now the the development team, they pay for everything. He goes goes next week for three days and they, you know, like the CCM and Bauer reps are there and they get all their equipment. They get their sticks, their skates. So I don't have to pay for anything anymore. Very Duluth, good. by the way, Benny, Duluth is one of my favorite cities in the world. Real? I'm from uh, it's, Yeah. Uh, just not in January and February, though. But I'm sure you're going to have to go up there for hockey uh, in hey, those John, months. John, you know what Lou Holtz used to say when we coached at Minnesota? He said, Minnesota people have blonde hair and blue ears. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that one before. That's one of the reasons why we like having Vinny Serrano on. He's a good storyteller. Vinny, thanks for telling him with us today. We'll get you back on in a uh, couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. Thanks for jumping on with us, buddy. My thanks, Benny. Yep. Vinny Serrano, ex general manager of the Washington Redskins, now host on 1057 The Fan down in Baltimore. That is my blue ears. Have you ever heard that one before? 
Like, I've oh. not. I've lived there for like a decade, but I well, I'm not from there like Benny, so yeah, I was well. an outsider. But Duluth is just like the coolest setup city. It's right on Lake Superior, way up north. But man, you can't be there in the winter. I, I say, can't deal with that. Great four weeks between the end of yeah, July exactly. and the end of August. That four weeks it is <laughs> phenomenal, Joe. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Uh, thanks to Vinny Serrato for hopping on with us. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back, get back to talking in the birds. Unfortunately, for those of you who don't like it, I'm sorry, but COVID protocols for the upcoming season is a big topic of conversation. We still got more than an hour to go here on this Thursday edition of Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com.
Bird Strict 365 here on the uh, Jacob Media YouTube channel. John McMullen, Jordy McDonald here, your Mac and Mac guys. Thank you, Vinny Serrato, for hopping on. Looking forward to talking to Bo Wolf coming up in about 20 minutes from now about all things Philadelphia Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles, John, uh, I did see this. I think it was on Inside the Eagles um, that Pro Football Focus, our friends over at Pro Football Focus, who you and I have already discussed, that certain times, damn, they hit the nail on the head. Certain times they put things out and or analyze <laughs> things a certain way where I go, yeah, and what is this supposed to Are you kidding me that I just don't understand the things that they do? So they're really, it's a different way of looking at analyzing football. Uh, Apparently, they just came out with a list of the top 25 NFL players under the age of 25. And the Philadelphia Eagles had zero players. Uh, None. All their good players are old. That's part of the problem. Yeah. And I think that's the point they're trying to make. Um, and when I first read it and saw that, I said, damn, that's not good. Wow. I did not realize that shame on the Eagles for not having one player in the top 25 under the age of 25. And the more I thought about it, I said, (laughs) yeah, but what really does it mean? First of all, it's only 25 guys. There are 32 teams in the national football league. And the talent is supposedly evenly spread because of the draft. They draft in order from the year before and you go forward. And, oh, okay. Every team, if you just do the numbers, give the analytical crunching that it deserves, every team is supposed to have less than one player. Because there's 25 (laughs) slots and there's 32 teams. So you should have 0.9 players per team. All right. So the Eagles came in at less than one, as in zero. That's no big deal. But it does point to the last couple of drafts, which is on Howie Roseman did not get the job done. There are only so many players that fit into this because you don't come into the league till you're 21. NBA, they come in at 18 and 19. It's a big deal in the NBA if you're on the 25 players under 25 list because that's a pretty... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. group. There just aren't that many guys here in the National Football League. How much should we be getting on Howie Roseman for these last couple of drafts that not one of those players that he selected happened to find their way onto this list? Well, I'm getting all choked up, Jody. Are you? <laughs> um, not much. I mean, well, well, no, two things. You you should very much criticize him for recent drafts. I mean, I don't think they have been great, but yeah, for this particular list, as you point out, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not that big of a deal. And by the way, it can change rather dramatically, rather quickly, if you think about guys like Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard. Uh, who no, I see, have to da- check Dallas, if he's under. He, he might not even be on. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's, he's already eliminated so what does from it matter? this list. But what does it matter? Like I said earlier this week, Nick Sirianni, what does it matter? 39, he turned 40. What does it matter? I, I, does it come with great wisdom, as I joke? Not so, really. Somebody- Telling me that all week, yeah, I would but, but it, was, it. it was 
Jody was a stick. I got news for you. Okay. It, it doesn't come with a card that gives you automatic wisdom. As the point is, what's the difference if Dallas Goddard at 26 turns into a, a very good young player, which, by the way, he already is a very good young player. So my point is those things, yeah. I mean, look, it's a demarcation line. That's what people do. People love lists, I can tell you. As a, as a journalist for a long time, I hate lists. It's the laziest thing in the world. And every editor wants one because people read them. Uh, they're meaningless. They're less than meaningless. Uh, so my, my, my ultimate assessment would be who cares. I think the bigger assessment, yes, Howie Roseman hasn't been great in the past number of drafts, and that's got to change. Jalen Rager's got to develop. We talk about this all the time. If, if you give J.J. Ortega-Whiteside one more mulligan, Jalen Hurts has got to develop. All these young players, Devontae Smith has got to develop. They have to develop young players better. That's fair. That's fair to say. I don't care about some stupid list, though. All right, but uh, right, you all you got to do is look inside the list and uh, realize why the Eagles don't have someone in the top twenty-five. Will Jalen Rager take that step up this year? Well, I don't think Eagles he's going to be that good, but I hope he takes a step up. He's got to take a step up, doesn't he? Uh, it's hard to no. take a step down. Uh, he could, was pretty pretty ineffective last. He year. was but I think it could actually get worse. I'm not wow, projecting that. Really? I'm not predicting wow. that, but, oh, yeah. yeah. Did did Jay Jaw get worse from his first year to his second year? Nah, that's a fair point, maybe. It I can I happen. I'm did. sure that if Birds 365 were in play, we would have said, well, he can't be as bad as he was after his yeah, rookie I thought, year. I oh, yeah, he was. I would have said that. Now, we got to talk to Aaron Moorhead last week now. J.J. was playing through injuries last year. I always talk about pro football focus, the lack of context. That's a contextual thing. Was he was he healthy or is the wide receiver coach trying to protect him? Uh, he was out there playing. He wasn't playing. Well, <laughs> he wasn't out there playing. He was benched at times. He didn't play much at all. But he was, bottom line, he was ineffectual. There are other parts to it. I do believe he was injured. Um and we'll see if, as I said, he's going to get one last mulligan. We'll see what he can do with it. Now, Jalen Rager's supposed to be a big part of this offense. Two different categories. I mean, one guy they're counting on, and another guy they're just crossing their fingers. But the, the larger theme of this, Jody, is they got to do a better job developing younger players. They just have to. They've been that that's the one criticism I think you could level at Doug Peterson and his coaching staff that is more than fair is their lack of development of young players. Correct. Um, was the wide receivers coach here last year? Yes. Yes. Okay. So at least he was here and can uh, attribute whatever injuries there were or yeah. weren't yeah, for some here. of his players. If he's telling the truth, because none of us really know for yeah. sure. He could be overstating things. He could be gilding the lily, or he could be just stating facts. We don't know which one it was. I don't know whether Jay Joe was playing with injuries or not, but um, all I know is he didn't come close to producing. And yes, I would, if I were a wagering man, do I think he comes out of his shell and shocks eagle nation by having a breakout type season no i just don't believe that's going to happen um what would you say the percentage chances are he's not an eagle at the start of this year 
I would say 50, 50. I, I would say, look, if he doesn't play well in training camp, they could cut him. Now, a, a lot of it has to do with Quez Watkins and John Hightower as well. I mean, I don't have a ton of confidence in those guys either. So at some point, but when you start to look at, uh, you know, fourth or fifth receivers on the roster, generally they have to do something on special teams as well. And that's not JJ's, uh, uh, he's not going to do that. So if he's the fifth receiver, you start talking to yourself, why is it worth having him around as opposed to maybe somebody who could be a gunner or a returner or can help you a little bit on special teams. So, yeah, he's up against it. No question about it. And by the way, if he were a sixth or a seventh round pick, he'd be gone. He'd be out of here. Uh, agreed there. Um, which of the wide receiver, non-Devonta uh, Smith, Jalen Rager, um, which of the reserve wide receivers or from three down wide receivers are actually a factor on special teams in your eyes? Well, none of them uh, to this point. I mean, nobody's proven. Uh, but if you look at their skill sets, because Quez Watkins and John Hightower can run, I mean, if you can, if Michael Play, the new special teams coordinator, can develop them into, as I said, gunners or people that can cover punts or something of that nature. Now, last year, the Eagles had Rudy Ford, who's now in Jacksonville, who was really good. I mean, he was one of the best gunners in football. Problem with him is he he was always hurt last year, had a couple hamstrings, kept nagging around in and out of the lineup. And also Craig James, people don't realize, really good special teams player. I mean, really good. But he had some injury issues. So they had good, good guys, so they didn't try these players. But their skill sets are at least compatible with what you look for for good special teams players, but they got to prove it. And that is, uh, I would believe, at least in part, well, let me ask you a question rather than uh, just throw it out there. I was always led to the belief that special teams is about desire. Back to the Sixers again. Uh, my coaches always told me I was more of a basketball player than a football player growing up. Rebounding is desire. It's yeah. smart. So you got to be in the right place. There is a physicality aspect to it. But if you want to rebound, you'll get your rebounds. If you are hungry enough, you'll get your rebounds. And I've always been told that that's special teams, too. If you want to be good at special teams, if you're willing to put the time, effort, and the mindset right to be good at special teams, you'll be good at special teams. Do you think these guys have uh, the group of wide receivers they have now that you're projecting as potential special teams guys? Uh, who, who's got the best attitude of the Eagle wide receivers that you know that I mean, might the, be guy, able to the guy who stands out most to me, and he can also return kicks, but he wasn't given that opportunity because the Eagles are, are, are also looking for returners as well, uh, is Quez Watkins. But they also brought in a kid. Uh, from Jacksonville. I believe his name is Michael Walker. He was right. one of the best uh, kickoff returners in college football at BC a couple of years ago. And Dave Caldwell, remember, the old Jags GM, is now with the Eagles in, in personnel. So he's familiar with him, had him down there. So he's a kick returner. He's a really good returner. So maybe he is that, that player they were looking for uh, – People aren't talking about, but it could be that last receiver because of his value on on special teams. 
Wanted to get your uh, take on this. So our buddy Dave Gonzaro from NBC Sports uh, Philadelphia, who's been good enough to hop on board the show. We'll try and get him on again sometime in the very near future. I uh, did an interesting article, at least for my take, on putting the Eagles positional groups in a specific order. I know you don't love lists, but this, <laughs> what you do is you take a list and then you analyze it yeah. thereafter. That's why I think yeah. it does work. And he did this. I had not thought along these lines. So I give him the credit for that. Putting the Eagles positional groups in an order. Have you seen this list yet? I have not. I'm going to look it up. as we oh, Don't speak. look it up because I want to ask oh, you about all it. All right. Off the top of your head, what positional group? Now, this is the Eagles against the Eagles. Not ranking in the National Football League, but just <clears> if you took yeah. all Eagles positional groups and ranked them in the order of where you thought the Eagles would be best. What positional group do you think is number one? Offensive line. And Offensive line is line. number one. Very yeah. good. Now, uh, Dave and John and yours truly and all Eagle fans are hoping for a whole lot of health along the other. That yeah. Lane Johnson actually gets 14, 15 out of 17 games in. That Brandon Brooks is there for, uh, I, should we push the envelope and go to 12 or 13 from Brandon Brooks? I, don't I know. need 17 from Brandon. You think so? You think he's an either an all or nothing guy? Either he's done for yeah. the entire year or he's there for the year. entire yeah. year. So he's going to be, well, he might get hurt in the playoffs, but they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you need, yeah, you need those guys to be out there. But I've been saying all the time, if those guys are out there, they're, they're good. They're good on the offensive line. They're top five on the offensive line. That's why the offensive line is the number one positional group ranking, according to Dave Gonzaro, and I agree with him. How about number two? Defensive line. Defensive line. It's the trenches. You, you, I know leading up to the draft, you and I debated a lot about what the Eagles were going to do and should do, whatever. And you kept saying, they'll get back to their DNA. They're always going to go trench. When in doubt, get into the trenches. That's what the Eagles do as an organization. Well, at least they've had some success along those lines. Yeah. And uh, that's why the defensive line. You know, but number- Jody, we, we were talking about that top 25 under 25 list. All the good players, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, 30, 30s, you know. That's that's yeah. that's part of not the even not even 26, 27, 28. Yeah. No, in their 30s. You were right. They are uh, elder there. One of the guys who is just outside that top 25 at age 25, not uh, that his skills uh, level and or his achievement puts him there. I'm just talking about the age is Derek Barnett. We've been there and done that with a couple of players before. When is the breakout year happening? We've done it now two consecutive years for Derek Barnett. Oh, this could be the breakout year, 2019, 2020. Oh, this could be the breakout year for Derek Barnett. Well, we're 0 for 2. At least my evaluation of where he was picked and what was expected of him and the ludicrous, and I do mean ludicrous, uh, comparisons between he and Reggie White. Just because there were some statistical categories that you could make that comparison. Oh, and then there's the real world. Take a look at the player, what he can achieve, and take a look at what the previous player achieved, a.k.a. maybe the greatest defensive lineman in the history of the National Football League. And I thought that was just, A, wrong, and B, woefully unfair to Barnett to have himself yeah, compared not, to Reggie I, White when he shows up. Here. I mean, he broke a sack record at Tennessee. I don't know if anybody was comparing him to Reggie White, and if they were. Oh, they were, would, on my they radio would, shows, they sure as hell well, were. They, 
they were silly. I could say that. I mean, nobody, I can tell you, nobody in the Novacare complex was expecting uh, Derek Barnett to be Reggie White. But I will say this about Derek Barnett, and this is where pedigree, I often talk about pedigree in the NFL because he was the 14th overall pick, and people look at it under that light and say, well, he hasn't lived up to that billing. If he was a second-round pick, you'd say, that's a good, solid player. And that's where I think Derek Barnett is. He's a good, solid player. You talk about breakout year. I don't know if he can have a breakout year for two reasons. One, he's been banged up. The first part, he's got to stay healthy, number one, if he can play 16, 17 games, uh, which is, you know, he's not proven he can do that consistently. But second is the Eagles have Josh Sweat, who they have to give reps to, and they also have Ryan Kerrigan now, who they're going to have to give reps to. So I don't think he's going to play enough. They 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 have a good role. They have a good number of players at defensive end. You had Brandon Graham, who's the best of the lot in the mix. All those guys got to play. I don't think he's going to play enough to have a breakout year. But what he is, he's a good, solid player when he's out there. Here's where I'm okay with uh, players being judged by pedigree and where they were taken in the draft. Not so much as to where they were taken in the draft, but the salary that goes with it. When you are drafted that high, even on your rookie deal, as compared to other rookie deals, you get paid, you get slotted in. When you're in the top half of the first round, like he was, yes, you're going to cash X amount of checks. And we live in a salary-capped world. The general managers have to build their team around a salary cap. If it was just, hey, the owner's got to go deeper into his pockets and you can go out and spend for whatever you want and whatever a guy makes, hey, that's what he makes. Okay, fine. That's not the case in the NFL. You have to have salary cap uh, thoughts in your the back of your head every time you make any kind of a signing or move. That's why it is fair to judge Derek Barnett to this point and yes, I know he's been injured, but that's part of it too. Your biggest ability is availability. He's got to stay healthy and he's got to produce because, yeah, he's a first-round draft pick who's making yeah, pretty well, good money I, at this stage of his career. I have no problem with people judging him if they want to judge him. I guess my point is, like, Nick Sirianni, what I'm trying to say is Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon don't care. Uh, and certainly they weren't even here when he was a first-round pick. I'm saying they're going to see him as a good player, a good rotational player. Uh, and they don't give a, a you-know-what where he was picked. They'll just look at him under that philosophy, under that umbrella. You're right. I mean, one of the reasons why, you know, he's he's playing under the final year of his rookie deal, so he gets the big spike in salary. Yeah, he's probably overpaid, and that's one of the reasons why he might not get a second contract here in Philadelphia. I'm a little bit surprised they didn't work out an extension. They're probably concerned about the health. Um, but again, that's a Howie Roseman question. That's not a Jonathan Gannon question. Uh, Jonathan Gannon is just going to look at him as like, oh, I got four good defensive ends. I got to mix in. And Brandon, clearly the best. Uh, I mean, he's the guy. Um, and then everybody else kind of kind of rotates in, in, in that particular uh, position. And that is, I guarantee you, Jody, when Jonathan Gannon looks at his back seven and goes, woof, I'm glad about my defense. He's not worried. He's not losing sleep about his defensive ends. 
Yeah, that that we will agree. Well, and the defensive line, which includes, of course, Fletcher Cox and the tackles, where they have strength as well. But here's the thing you can't forget, and I know they are not forgetting it down at the Novick Complex, and Eagle fans can't forget it either, that defensive end position. Is Brandon Graham going to be here next year? No, that. but it, I was talking about that during the draft when, when I was talking about Quiddy Pay. It doesn't look like a need now. Well, you know, Brandon's going to be 34. Right. Derek Barnett's on a contract year. Josh right. Sweat's on a contract year. Right. Ryan Kerrigan's here for one year. Right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be the Eagles defensive ends next year. It's nice that we have a pretty good positional group and some depth, and I love the Kerrigan signing for the money that they did it for. All four of those guys could be gone next year. It yeah. could be a total reconstruction yeah. of the defensive end position during this offseason. I imagine they'll try to bring Josh Sweat back uh, uh maybe even really quickly and try to get him extended. Um, look, he's got knee issues that date back. He was a man. He was a high profile recruit going to Florida state. One of the top recruits in the country then had that really significant knee injury. And that kind of teared him in a negative direction. Um, he's never going to be a guy that can play a hundred percent of the snaps, but He's really, really effective in the snaps that he does play. I don't think he'll cost a ton of money. So I do think the Eagles will bring him back, get it done. But, yeah, everybody else, man, I don't expect Brian Kerrigan to be back. I don't know. It, it kind of depends on how the rest of the league views Derek Barnett, and that will have to play out over the season because of the injury issues. He could make himself a lot of money. If he does have that breakout year you were talking about, Jody. Yeah. And Brandon, man, 34, when's it coming? We don't know. If Brandon plays like Brandon, you're fine because they gave him the extra year and you have him under contract. But anytime you get to be that age in this league, you never know when it's leaving you. And uh, I'm going to get on record and predict this now ahead of time, which will not make me popular with either Brandon Graham and or probably most Eagle Nation. I would not be surprised if next offseason we're having this conversation 10 months from now, nine months from now, the Eagles could hardline Brandon Graham and say, listen, we need to redo the contract. And when we mean redo, we mean, yeah, you're going to get some guaranteed upfront money, which will be nice, but your number overall is coming down. We need to uh hey look at what they're doing to Zach Ertz, man. It doesn't matter who you are. Exactly. Uh, it 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 is hardball and, and Howie Roseman always brings up moneyball and Billy Bean in the movie. Uh sometimes you gotta be the bad cop. That's what he says. And Howie's not afraid to be the bad cop, and it may come to that this next off season with Brandon Graham. All right, quickie timeout coming here. Uh we are expected to talk to Bo Wolf from the Athletic. He's going to join us next on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Before we went break there, I teased that Bo Wolf for the Athletic was going to join us. And I swore I saw Bo Wolf at some time. Did you see his face in the monitor, JM, that he was close or ready to join us? Did he I did un- not, but I was I was uh I was doing some other stuff, so I wasn't paying attention during the break. As as was I, but at one point I think I looked up and saw Bo's face there, but apparently he's having computer issues, so when we get Bo Wolf up, we will punch him up and uh, talk some Eagles football with him here in hour number two of this Thursday edition of uh, Birds 365. Uh, the first question I was going to ask him, and I will ask him when I get on, uh, so instead I'll ask it of you. Maybe Mr. he's McCormick. too devastated over that Sixers loss. You think he's still in bed, curled up maybe, in the fetal maybe, position after maybe. last with night's the, With the shades drawn and... Uh, darkness overlapping the room. You don't want to go up and see the sun. Uh, could be, could be just massive depression. Now but you I'm are close to Sixers fan. You you are a guy who both talks and writes for a living. I only do one of the two. I only talk. I don't write. Uh, <laughs> but one of my favorite words is epic. 
Ah, and right. yes, last night's collapse by the 76ers was epic because yeah, I have such respect. That's an all-timer. That is an all-timer. I got difficulty coming up with a comparison. That's how bad that was. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe game four. <laughs> because I have such respect for the word epic, I try not to overuse it. I try and hold on to it for specific times to be able to describe something as epic. And yes, last night was an epic collapse by the 76ers. Um, but uh, again, we're back in a Sixer land. Here's uh, the question I was planning on asking Bob Wolf, but I will when we get him on. Are you a gamer, J-Mac? No. No, come on. I don't know. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't have enough time to do it. I don't understand. And I, I'm freely admit, I don't have... I don't, my wife would cut off my head. I, I don't have enough time to do the stuff that I have to do. Never mind, never mind, waste my time with that kind of stuff. Uh, I was hoping that you were because I am not either. Um, I don't know if it's an age thing or a not enough time thing, like you stated, but I've just never gotten into game. I never did. No, uh, and I and it was around when I was younger, uh, maybe not young, but younger. And uh, I'd rather get out. I'd rather be outside than sit in front of a TV. And oh, by the way, if I'm going to be in front of a TV, I want to be watch an actual game. Yeah. Right. I, I want someone to entertain me, be it either an athlete and or an actor. Uh, and let me just kick back, relax, take my mind off things, uh, unwire rather than be geared well, up. Well, it's interesting, Jerry, in. because, you know, the one thing, you know, all right. If you like, I don't have any problem with people who like playing games. I mean, I just personally don't understand it. But do what you want, whatever makes you happy. If you can get away with it, if you can get the time. Uh, but I will tell you what I will never understand. Never understand. People go on Twitch and are we on Twitch? By the way, Xander, are we on Twitch? I don't know. They go on Twitch and to watch other people play video games. They're not even playing the video game. Sure. They're watching other people like it's a sporting event. Oh, forget that about I Twitch. I will never understand. You, you know that there are uh, now uh, teams and franchises that own players yeah, that I go know. and play yeah. in arenas that, yes, fans will pay to go into arenas and watch on a big board the results of yeah. others playing video games. It's one thing to go on Twitch and watch it. At least you're not going into your pocket. You go yeah. into your pocket to pay to go to an arena to watch someone else play a video game. I am 100% with you on that, McMullen. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. But, again, each to each is on kind of like vaccination. If you don't want to get vaccinated, that's yeah. up to you. But you got to deal with the repercussions and uh, the, the COVID protocols you got to live under. Um, if you want to play video, get more power to you. I hope you're the greatest gamer of all time. Neither John nor I are. Today's a big day. <laughs> no. We are uh, not on Twitch, by the way, Xander. So. We're not on Twitch. We got to get on Twitch. If people are going to watch people play video games, they'll watch Birds 365. Trust me. Uh, I'd, I'd have to get Twitch to be able to understand and or watch Twitch, but that's just me. Um, today is the day they announced the cover of Madden. 2022 oh is it yes I as get a matter of fact john what time does this show end uh 10 o'clock okay what time are they gonna announce the cover of madden 10, uh, 2022 um 
You Sorry, want to I, was, I was texting with Bo. Sorry, I'm trying to get Bo on. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, I asked you what time the show ended. You said 10 o'clock. I said, yeah. would you like to take a guess what time they're naming? 10 o'clock. 10, o- 10, yeah. 10 o'clock, right. Oh, Much always. like the Eagles wait till 10.03 to announce their player personnel moves yeah. when we've been off the air for three minutes. Yes, Madden will reveal the company, the game, uh, will reveal who is on the cover of Madden. Precisely as Bird's uh, 360. Should be Bo Wolf. Look at that cover shot. Cover of Madden. Bo we'll Wolf. see if they throw him on the cover of Madden. Uh, Bo Wolf from the Athletic, good enough to jump on board that. with it. I don't want that curse, guys. <laughs> that's why I'm at. That's why I brought it up. It's going to be announced here in about 28 minutes, so we're all going to know then. But uh, would you like to take a prediction at who's going to be on the cover of Madden 2022? I'm yeah, I think it'll be Ben Simmons. I was worried. Bo didn't see the email to join the stream. I was worried you were too depressed over that Sixers loss. But I don't know if you're a big Sixers fan. But that was devastating. Well, I, I, I watch with interest, for sure. <laughs> Shame yeah. about Ben Simmons. Okay. Yeah, I um, talk about anything else. But anyway, let's, yeah, let's, let's get into the birds, I guess. So you don't think it'll be Jalen Hurts in the uh, Madden... Uh, I guess it has to be Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, Let's see. What about about like Justin Herbert? Would that be fun? Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Brian Johnson was on the cover of the old NCAA game. I do remember that uh, for some bizarre reason. I think Mike K brought it up. That's probably why. Yeah, I think that's that's, got to be some kind of bragging rights in the coaching room, right? All right. Let's get both. Jason Michael's never been on the cover. (laughs) Bo, you and Zach did an interesting piece recently about potential extensions for the Eagles. Uh, And we were just talking about, before you jumped on, Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat, the fact that they're both entering contract years. If you're the Eagles, you got to keep one of them. You don't have a ton of young talent. Uh, Obviously, one's a former first-round pick. Bit of a disappointment when you add the pedigree. But I think Derek's a good player when he's out there. And then Josh Sweat is really effective, but you have the knee issues and he's probably never going to be a guy who can play, you know, 85, 90% of the snaps. So Eagles have to extend one of them. Where, which way would you go, Bo? Yeah. I mean, if it's a tough call for, for the reasons that you stated, like uh, it's, it's sort of like Derek Barnett is, is high floor and maybe a lower ceiling than, than Josh Sweat. Whereas Josh Sweat, because he has that injury history, but he's a he's a physical marvel. Like you know, he has some Daniil Hunter traits. But yeah. you know, there is a question as to whether he can hold up as you know playing sixty percent of the snaps or so. I wonder if it. I wonder if it's a bit of a false choice because uh, you know they do have a lot of money committed at defensive end. Like Brandon Graham is on the books for next season. But you know, this team does not have young good players, and both of these guys are very young. Uh, you know, Josh Sweat I think is twenty three. Derek Barnett is twenty four. And if you look at like across the league, who are the productive pass rushers under the age of 25? These guys are both in the top 10 in terms of uh, sacks and quarterback hits on, on a per snap basis. You know, what is all that cap room for? It's for being able to keep your young, good players. So I, I wonder if they're going to be able to, to keep both those guys, even though it seems like a lot of money committed to the defensive end position. You know, that's a position they value. Like if you look around the roster, who else? on this team is young and worth keeping around. The list is not very long. So I, I think they, they may end up finding a way to keep both. That said, you know, if these guys get to the market, 
both of them will command you know significant uh, money because you know the, the the price for for good pass rushers is huge, especially when they're young. So uh, it does it would behoove them to be a little bit aggressive in terms of locking these guys up before the the end of the season. At the same time, it's sort of like a natural competition this year. You guys both go out there. Let's see who uh, plays better and who and who earns the big money contract. So it's I think one of the most fascinating dynamics of this Eagles season. Let me expand that comparison and competition by one and put Ryan Kerrigan in the mix because we know Brandon Graham's Brandon Graham and his contract is what it is and his history here is what it is as well. So I would put him to the side and then look at the other three defensive ends. Two guys last year, the contract been here, procured by the organization and an out-of-towner coming in on a one-year value-packed deal. They got him for cheaper than most of us expected, but he's got the biggest resume of the three. Will the coaching staff be affected or enslaved by the overall organizational stance of we've got to project our own and show that we got things right? Or will it just come down to who's playing the best? After week one, we evaluate. After week two, we evaluate. After week three. And then we give the snaps according to those players and what they've done. Will the coaching staff be able to just play who they want to play and not have to worry about how it helps the evaluative process for 2022 and beyond. Well, this has been a, you know, this has been a difficult dynamic for the Eagles over the past couple of years, you know, the coaching staff um, leaning towards playing older players, you know, look just last year at Alshon Jeffrey, like playing over Travis Fulgham after Travis Fulgham has this amazing run. Like, and it was, it was like mind numbing that that was happening, but that is like a coach typically is going to, uh, you know, break the tie with the guy who has a little bit more experience, who they can rely on a little bit. But but what the Eagles did, you know, in setting up this roster this year is try to sort of fulfill two two tracks. And, you know, you saw it with the signing of guys like Anthony Harris and, and Eric Wilson, these guys on one-year deals who they will allow them to compete as best they can this season, but they're not on the books beyond this season. Uh, they're not in the future plans necessarily. Like, I, you know, I think a guy like Eric Wilson could eventually be signed to an extension, but uh, with Kerrigan, you know, there's there's room for four pass rushers to play plenty of snaps. And, you know, just look at the Super Bowl season. You had Brandon Graham and Chris Long on the left side, Derek Barnett and Vinnie Kerrigan on the right side. I think you'll have Barnett and Sweat on the right, Graham and Kerrigan on the left, with Graham obviously also able to slide inside on, on some passing down. So I think there's enough playing time to be had for all four of those guys. Uh, Bo, when we talk about extensions, I think the most obvious one would be Dallas Goddard. Dallas confirmed with us that he's already had talks with the Eagles about a potential extension. They don't have a ton of money, obviously, to deal with until next season. Um, But we all know they can get things done if they want to get things done. How, How much does the fact that we're sitting here in June, Zach Ertz is still here. We all expect him to not be here at some point. Uh, how much of that complicates a potential extension with Dallas Goddard? The Ertz thing is a little bit weird, um, for sure. And this does seem like, as you as you described, the most like down the middle extension possibility. Because from the Eagles' perspective, you would think they would want to lock this guy up, knowing that Ertz is leaving before he has a season of being the number one tight end. So maybe they think they can get a slightly better deal. Uh, the, the complicating factor is beyond Ertz being here and that sort of awkwardness is that the tight end market is, is sort of weird. Um, you know, there have been some big money contracts lately, and, and Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry in free agency this year uh, moved that price tag up. But, like, the franchise tag for tight ends 
is not that expensive at all. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're the Eagles, why would you sign Goddard to a deal that guarantees him more per year than, you know, the, the franchise is. And if you're Goddard, why sign a deal now before you can get uh, a chance to play as a number one tight end and hit the market when it seems like prices are, are rising. And then the extra factor on top of that is this, this particular off season is set to be uh, uh, one in which a lot of tight ends will be available. Guys like OJ Howard, uh, Mike Gesicki, um, I'm, I'm forgetting a couple guys, but some of these young tight ends from that group uh, will have a chance to sort of compete for those deals. So it's it's an interesting conversation. If I was like to guess which extension the Eagles would sign before training camp, I do think that Goddard is probably the, the most likely. But we don't talk about pressure much in June. It's just, uh, you know, think about it. You think about pressure when the season starts. But I would suggest there's some pressure on Miles Sanders this year. Um, although he ran the ball effectively last season, uh, John told me a lot, educated me a lot during this offseason about, yeah, but he had some issues in doing certain things he was supposed to do last year, specifically in the passing game, wasn't on his spot when he needed to be, that he actually went backwards in the passing game. If you believe I that Nick Sirianni is going to come in and do similar things that he did in Indianapolis – Running backs out of the backfield were a big part of Philip Rivers and that offense last year. So that's going to fall heavily on Miles Sanders this year. If he's feeling that pressure and there isn't a re-improvement after his very good out of the backfield rookie year, will the coaches be willing to go to the backup running backs? They're going to use them uh, however much uh, percentage-wise they're going to use them anyway. But could we even see a reduction in Miles Sanders' time on the field if he has not improved his pass receiving skills. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting question. And and uh, running backs coach Jamal Singleton said that you know he doesn't necessarily believe in the idea of an of an every down back at this stage in you know the NFL's life cycle. So I don't expect that we're going to see Miles Sanders on the field. You know, like eighty percent of the time and getting like twenty five carries a game or anything like that. But I, I think in terms of the passing game, I think you know I would guess that it would be closer to year one than year two. Like just the connection between him and Carson Wentz last year seemed like it was just bewitched, like wh whatever they, they could do, nothing would work. Um, but he has, you know, he has some issues in, in pass protection. Occasionally he has some issues in hitting the, the hole where it's supposed to go sometimes, but he's as, as, as dynamic of a big play guy as, as there is in the league. I would actually sort of lean the other way in that. Like if I'm the Eagles, I give Miles Sanders as much of the workload as I can over the next two seasons before his rookie contract is up. And then I probably let him go. I mean, that's just the life cycle of running backs in the NFL these yeah. days. I mean, I think three years ago, the two leading rushers in the NFL were, were Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. And both of them don't have jobs right now. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was four years ago, but I mean, that's how quickly things happen. And so, uh, you know, the Kenny Gainwell pick who they took in the fifth round from, from Memphis, who's young and, and is a very good receiving back to me, like if Kenny Gainwell is what they think he can be, he would allow them to move on from Miles Sanders in two years, not necessarily as a replacement, but, you know, Kenny Gainwell and somebody else is going to be just as, as good as, you know, Kenny Gainwell and Miles Sanders. Uh, Bo, I do want to switch to the other side of the ball for a second and talk about the cornerback position. Cause last time we were there, uh, it was Abonte Maddox opposite Darius Slay. Then when the Eagles went into the nickel, they kind of kicked Abonte Maddox inside, and Mike Jaquette was the other outside corner. 
Can That's the Eagles right. really go into a season with that being the plan at the cornerback position? Is that even possible? I do think they're going to sign somebody. Um, and it may not be, you know, Steven Nelson is the name that gets thrown out there. I don't even think it has to be someone who's a starting caliber corner. I, I think it could just be you sign a veteran who is there and you hope that Michael Jaquette beats him out or Zach McPherson, who I think is the other player to really keep an eye on the fourth round pick from, from Texas tech. I think between McPherson and Maddox, I think you're okay over there. I mean, it's not great. Certainly. <laughs> it's not a long-term solution. I mean, I, I liked Michael Jaquette last year. He had that yeah. one disastrous game against Arizona. I think there's some upside there. You know, he's, he's relatively new to the position. He's got these super long arms. He had, he played well in that Dallas game before. Um, but you know, I don't think a team with like Super Bowl aspirations is trotting out Michael Jaquette in week one as their starting corner. That's a fair way to put it, uh, Bo. Thank you for that. Um, we focus so much on cornerback two and the fact that the Eagles might have questions of depth at cornerback. Safety almost seems to float on by. And we don't know what Rodney McLeod is going to be able to give this team this year. They did sign a safety in free agency, not big bucks, but a guy who's got starting experience in the league. Uh, a lot of people like to talk about, hey, you know, the corners, they could be moved to safety. Uh, Maddox gets <clears throat> that conversation all the time. Will the Eagles be good enough at safety this year? I mean, good enough to do what? <laughs> to not get uh, killed. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I think they're okay. It depends. It's going to depend a lot on on how McLeod recovers. He has said that he's going to be ready for week one. That would be a bit of a tight uh, turnaround given how late in the season his injury happened. Um, but, he, but he seems to say that that's going to be the case. And he was on the field in the spring. So um, it seems like he's, he's tracking okay. I think Anthony Harris is a good player and he has some experience with, with Jonathan Gannon. So that helps. Um, but after those guys, I mean, you know, Andrew Adams, who they signed, is not really anything more than a special teams player, at least in his history in Tampa Bay. Kayvon Wallace, I think, was was relatively disappointing in his first season from Clemson. He didn't seem necessarily ready to contribute um, on defense. And then you've got guys like, you know, Graylin Arnold and Elijah Riley, who I kind of like a little bit. But well, I you mean, gotta yeah. give me an Epsi, Bo. I want an Epsi. Epsi, yeah. I forgot yeah. about Epsi. Yeah, you got Epsi, too. Yeah. Um, who can play deep? you know, okay. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's like corner. Yeah. It's not great. It's, it's not, it's not a, a Super Bowl level secondary, but I think it's, it's enough for them to tread water probably. All right. Let's ping pong. Cause I want to talk about competition wide receiver three. This is a mm. subject dear, dear to the heart of Jody McDonald. Cause that's the biggest Greg Ward band in the world. You're looking at there. But more than Merrill? Right. Uh, yep. More than Merrill. It uh, seems to me the Eagles want to, you know, if they're in 12, it's going to be Rager and Smith outside. We know that. But if they're in 11, seems to me they prefer to kick Rager inside, have Fulgham outside at, with Devontae Smith. Is that your take as well? Well, what we saw in the, you know, we only got to see like two practices yeah. in the spring. But what we saw was Greg Ward inside uh, for now, which, you know, take that with, with a heaping uh, grain of salt. But I, I don't want to get on Jody's bad side, but if it was me, I would do that. I would I would have Travis Fulgham on the outside and, and Rager or Smith inside. I mean, Greg Ward is is a nice player. He's he's certainly um, over 
like overachieved based on every expectation for his career. You know, it took the Eagles three years of him being in the building for them to even give him a shot to play. Um, and I think he's a, he's a, an adequate starting slot. But if you look at like his production, uh, it's not great on a per snap basis. Uh, there's not a lot of juice after the catch. There's not a lot of juice downfield. And Travis Fulgham, what he did in those four games last year, you know, he was the best receiver in the NFL for four games. I think for this team that needs to see what they have and, and try to find players who can be here and be part of the next winning team, I think you got to have Travis Fulgham on the field, give him a shot, and, and then maybe it turns out that, that Fulgham, Rager, and Smith is a pretty good starting three receivers. I think that's, that's what I would go for. If you put Devonta Smith to the side, which I think you should just because I'm that big a fan and I think he's going to be unbelievable and he's going to step right in and just immediately become their best wide receiver. Uh, if it's between those other three, I actually think the guy that Greg Ward can outperform is Rager, not Fogum. I think that he's I going to be able I don't think that's crazy. <laughs> I think he's going to be able to hold that slot spot. Sorry, Jalen Rager fans, but I need to see it. I didn't see Diddley last year. So one big play early on, and that was it. So until he shows it to me, like Greg Ward, all right, albeit four yards at a clip, uh, showed me he can make plays and at least catch balls. I'm going to need to see it. All right. Uh, well, and of course, that, you know, the other the other funny thing is, like, this, if any staff is going to be able to get the most out of Jalen Rager, like, it should be this one, right? You, you've got a, a coach, a head yeah. coach who played the position and coached the position. That's his specialty. Um, like this should be it. If like if Jalen Rager can't uh, take a step forward in in this offense with this coaching staff, then yeah, it's 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 a pretty bad sign. We talked about this yesterday on the show, uh, and I want to bring it up with you. The fact that the Eagles have ninety roster spots, they're all filled now. Good for them. They never thought to bring in a kicker to compete with Jake Elliott. Forget about punter. kicker. Talk about punter. Forget yeah. about Jake. Talk punter, about Aaron Seapos. or kicker. And I know they're both kind of, but here's the reason why it's different. Because Jake Elliott actually has a contract. And they did give him money. And if they were to move off Jake Elliott, might be a little bit of a painful hit because there'd be some dead cap money involved. If Seapos can't punt, guess what? Get on the phone, Howie. Go down to the corner. Pick up another punter. They can make that change rather easily. But they can't That's do true. it with Jake Elliott. So I'm questioning... Is that the reason why they don't have another kicker in camp? Because they made a financial commitment to Elliott and it would be a little painful if they had to move on from him? Yeah, it's like sneakily one of the worst contracts in the league, the extension <laughs> that they signed Jake Elliott to, because it is like it is punitive to cut him and it should never be that way for a kicker, you know, aside from like, you know, Adam Vinatieri or whoever, uh, like a Hall of Fame level kicker. Um, so oh. that was that was not a smart deal that they made. But Bo, uh, Jake does everything great. Everything. Oh. Softball, golf, ping pong, except he was the best softball player at Carson Wentz's yeah. oh, uh, charity softball game. He's a, he's a fantastic athlete. And I like I think it's unlikely that you would find a kicker who is like worth giving a shot over Jake Elliott. Like, let's see, let's see how he does this season. You know, there is talent there, and you know, leg strength is probably more important than. Uh, like the whims of accuracy over the course of a season. It's it's a, a shorter sample size. I think he's fine. But like if he has another year like last year, it would be nice to be able to move on from him. So um, I, I, I am surprised they haven't brought in another punter 
it's a good point that you make, Jody, because like if CPOS is bad, they'll just sign another guy off the street. Yeah, yeah. It's a replacement level yeah. thing. But you would think given the like competition, 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 competition refrain from Nick Sirianni, yeah. that you would have one other guy there to compete for a job uh, with someone who has never punched in the NFL before. All right, last one from me, Bo, and thanks for joining the show. Repo does a great job at the Athletic with Zach Berman. Shield Capati, our buddy as well, does national but also Eagles. And Birds with Friends, the great podcast. Uh, so tune into that. Okay. Um, Bo, we were talking about pressure in June. We were talking about competition. Jody probably doesn't know this. You have a lot of pressure on mm, you. This competition true. is coming. This is the two-time, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Back Reigning back, and defending roster pool champion. We were just talking to Biero yesterday because he's upset. He got beat by Les a couple years ago. He's he's still complaining about practice squad rules and mm. whatever. I think I took I took the belt off of you, right? Yeah, you took the belt. I'm I'm a former champion. McLean's a former champion, uh, but Bo has won it two times. More pressure on you. Or Ben Simmons in game six? Oh, <laughs> I think there's way more pressure on Ben Simmons. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the king right now. Everybody's coming after me. I don't, I don't have any pressure. Uh, ben Simmons, like, there's a good chance he's not in Philly next year. So um, I, I like, let's just say I like my chances better than I do of Ben Simmons' <laughs> chances of making two free throws. Uneasy is the head that wears the crown, Mr. Wolf. Be careful right. what you ask uh, for you wish. You may get what you ask. Uh, At least two more months in my reign. Yeah. There you go. And between you and me, don't tell John this. I think you got a chance to win a third contender. He's not that good. <laughs> Thank uh, you very much. Bo, good stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. You know we're going to have you back plenty uh, even well before the year starts. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, Paul Wolf. Uh, you told me earlier that yes, he was the reigning champ. You didn't say reigning and defending. That yeah. he's two years in a two row, time, two time champ. Man, why are these uh, outlets paying you, McMullen, if you can't beat Bo Wolf? Damn, what no. the heck's well, up with you? I mean, to be in, I, I, in my history, we want. I, I, I've been, I've been in second place twice. I've been runner up twice. I've been champion and and I came in third. I've never been less than third. Sound like Doc Rivers to me. Uh, blow the three mm-hmm. one leads and people mm-hmm. get on your case, even though I would but say I your track record has been damn good. If Doug is listening. I blame Doug Peterson. I would have been a back to back champion if he just would have kept the third damn tight end and Josh Perkins. Who was uh, Perkins? Was the guy you leaned yeah. on? Yeah. What's he doing these days? He didn't get re-signed. Rich Rod did, uh, but Perkins, they didn't go back to. All right. No, Josh has had some serious – he he hurt his leg two years in a row, so he's had some serious injury issues, um, unfortunately. All right. We've gotten through this one without any serious injury issues on the stage. We'll come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Down the home stretch, we come here on Birds 365 with you Akamak guys, McMullen and McDonald. Uh, the clock is ticking on this particular show, and yes, unfortunately, timing with other announcements never match up. We're on too early. We got to talk to Crouchy. We got to push the show back by now. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, uh, they're going to name the uh, cover of Madden uh, within minutes after the show is over and done with. Uh, I did want to get this into today's show, and we got busy and talked about uh, COVID protocols. I had two really good guests, so I didn't get this in, but I'll just do so quickly. Need to get it in in the nick of time before the show ends. Speaking of Knicks, we know the Eagles just signed their third-string quarterback this week, a Nick. We know their new head coach is a Nick. I want to ask you about a third guy who at least as per what I saw on the NFL network this morning, uh, the third string quarterback of the Chicago bears, Nick Foles, because the coach came out and said, yes, Andy Dalton is going to be our number one. Justin Fields is going to be number two. And Nick Foles is going to be our number three. 
They've already designated Nick as number three. Uh, what happens if Dalton does look good in camp and uh, Fields does look like he's ready to step in if need be? And Nick looks like Nick, and he never looks great in camp, but he can step in and win games as a relief pitcher for you. If Nick Foles is cut and he finds out that he's going to be cut by the Bears, and Howie Roseman's sitting in his office, and it's Nick Foles' agent on the phone who's calling him and says, listen, you know Nick has considered retirement before, and uh, he's not necessarily motivated to have to play every single week and win, but he's also not ready to step away from the game. So if he's going to be a backup anywhere or a third string anywhere, he thinks he kind of owes it to you guys. You guys gave him his biggest chance and signed him and let him make his name and uh, you trade, let him walk away rather than have a competition. He, he, he just appreciates everything about the Philadelphia Eagles. He'd like to come back and be your third string quarterback for the veteran minimum. Ugh. What happens when that happens, John McMullen? Well, man, I hate you're dragging me into this show. Yes, I am. Um, but I forget, and I want to give them credit. I forget someone reported that the Eagles, the Eagles were interested in bringing, might have been Hub Arkish, because uh, he's a Chicago guy. Uh, Nick didn't have interest in coming back to Philadelphia for whatever reason. What surprised me at the time, uh, because this is the only place he's really succeeded, why wouldn't he want to come back? I don't think he'd come back as a third-string quarterback. As a second-string quarterback, they already have a second-string quarterback. Now, if Joe Flacco gets hurt, uh, maybe that opens up some doors. Uh, but other than injury, I, I, I think the Eagles are set at, at the quarterback position, and they've come up with their plan for 2021. I don't think they would they would envision that. They're certainly not going to take on his current contract, but as you no. mentioned, if he gets cut and, and they're able uh, to, to work out a better deal, uh, I just think they've moved on. They finally turned the page. And by the way, good for you, Howie. Turn the stinking page and keep it turned. Don't go back. <laughs> Oh, that's why that's why I love hypotheticals because you can fit them to make whatever point you make. I just right. wanted to pimp you a little bit because you're ready to move on from Nick Falls uh, here in Philadelphia. But when it happens, oh, you know we're uh, going to be talking about McMullen because uh, I don't know if Birds 365 is going to hang around as long as you do. I told you, I think I will. Uh, the birds at 365 will pass How'd the away. doctor go, by the way? Are you not telling me no, something? No, that's right. Good good report. Told me everything was good. My blood All test right, looked then. great. Went yesterday right, to see then. my guy. And you're and, fine. Uh, and you're yes, fine. I We're going to be here. We're going to far outlast Nick Bowles. Quick funny story. When I was outside, I told you I didn't notice what the dog did last night. Yeah. I texted my doctor. This is the kind of doctor that he is. He gives me his personal cell number, oh. which I feel badly about using. Like each other, you text me if you need me. If you need anything, right. you need a prescription. Text me if you need me. I I have texted him twice since I was in a hospital back in December. Um, now is that because you're a big star? Or he gives his number out there. I I don't know. You have to ask him. Yeah, but yeah, I you're a text, big star. I texted him, and I'm I'm sure he was already in bed. And I hope he didn't see it. I hope I didn't bother him because he didn't get back to me, and I haven't checked my phone yet this morning. I texted him last night just to tell him because he busts my chops because. I like to have a cigarette every once in a while. And it's not good for me. And I'm smoking less than I used to, but I still have an occasional cigarette. 
So when I went outside to walk the dog last night, I had to text him. Don't blame me that I'm having a cigarette. It's a Sixers fault. And I just sent it off to him last night. I haven't heard back from him. But hey, it was a good uh, doctor's meeting. Thank you for asking, John McMullen. I promise that you will not be forced to go to the doctors when Nick Foles returns for his, his, his third or fourth try here with Eagles. I've lost. It's been so many, I've lost track of actually how many it's been. Hypothetically, uh, it's like number 18 because no one ever stops talking about it. But uh, yeah. We got to move on from Nick Foles. And 48 minutes from now, in in a basketball sense, we got to move on from Ben Simmons. <laughs> we'll shall see if that happens. All right, uh, be back here tomorrow, 22 hours from now. We'll be right back here on Birds 365. Thanks, everybody. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.